I think sometimes we can complicate the Christmas story and try and come up with so many new and fun things to talk about when we haven't grasped the magnitude of God with us. Like, we're always wanting to find a way to say the Christmas story even more creative, but we haven't really grasped that God is with us. Like, it's very strange to think that we have to get creative with the Christmas story. But when you think of the elements that make up the Christmas story, it's shocking. And even in the most quiet place, still place, to hear the words, God is with us, it changes things. And it's very strange that for God to tell this story and for God to provide a place for answers to a lot of our deepest heart-longing questions, he would say, I want you to look in a feeding trough. Yes, you're going to turn books over. You're going to make travels around the world. You're going to go to the places. You're going to go to the Oxfords. You're going to go everywhere to get educated and look for answers on your own. But the amazing truth of the Christmas story is that he confounds the wise with something as simple as a feeding trough because it's where Jesus would be placed and announced that a Savior had come into the world. As we've been considering breaking through in this story in the Advent season, we've talked about God's faithfulness. We've talked about hope. We've talked about joy and how joy is not this fake smile and fake laughing during a season where everyone is supposed to be happy, but joy is this unshakable reality that though everything else in the world may fall away, the one thing I needed most, a relationship with God, reconciled, forgiveness made new because of Jesus, would never be one of those things that could fall away. That is a lasting joy. And friends, you don't have to come up with a new way to say that. You have to start looking at the feeding trough and saying, if this is really true, then everything changes. And today as we talk about the love of God, God's love for us, we actually are able to answer, how do you know that God loves you? We love to use that phrase. We live in a culture that wants to use that phrase when they don't, they don't even know who he might be, but they just say God is loving. Well, how do you know those things? Well, I feel it. I feel a lot of things, friends. You feel a lot of things. How do I know God loves me? What happened in the feeding trough was read to you guys this morning earlier. But we can read a few verses from it again in, in John chapter 1. John, known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, wasn't an arrogant title. It was actually the most true title John could speak of himself. He wasn't called the disciple who loved Jesus. He was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. We could agree that's a true statement. Jesus loved John. What if you could see yourself that way? Jesus loved Jason. Man, how does that change things when it's not about your love for him, but it's about his love for you? And in John chapter 1, 
Starting in verse 10, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. These are difficult words to read. And as you jump down to verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And then later, John, the same disciple, penned these words in 1 John to dear children. The interesting thing about 1 John and John is John has had some age happen in his life. That fire that he wanted to take to people so early on in his life following Jesus in 1 John, you see a more tender-hearted man speaking as a grandfather or a father to children. And it's fascinating how he speaks to these children who are struggling with assurance, who are struggling with knowing, am I saved? Do I know Jesus? Do, what, do I, what do I do with this? And how do I follow? And, and John's saying, look, let's look at the simple truths. He didn't hit them with hammers. He didn't yell at them. He said, let's just look at the simple truth of who Jesus is. And in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 9, he said, God showed how much he loved us. So how do I know God loves me? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. And down in verse 14, he continues, Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his son to be the Savior of the world. Why did he send his son? Because there was a world that needed saving. Verse 15, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. These words are, <clears throat> are hard to look at, because when you think about it, the creator of all of creation stepping into time and not being recognized by those he made. That's an indictment on us. That's something gone wrong in a world that was made by a good God. His creation doesn't even recognize him when he steps on the scene. And then to make matters worse, he goes to his own people and they reject him. It's not that they don't just not recognize him, they reject him. That goes to show you that our deepest, darkest need has been met 
by the one who stayed close. For you and I, the love of God is made clear, not by what gifts or circumstances you walk in, not by the things that you do have or the things you don't have. The love of God is made clear looking into a feeding trough. Firstly, that he is a God who came near. He is not a God who stayed far off and said, you guys got some problems. Why don't you handle that? Then I'll come close. Get yourselves cleaned up. Then I'll come close. No, we have a God who said, I have to be close to them. I have to know them. And in a feeding trough, you and I have evidence that God loves us. It's been hard for me this week as I've been sick. I've been sick since Tuesday. And yes, I know we live in Asheville. Please, you do not have to send me all your recipes for how to get better, okay? I've got plenty, all right? Um, please do not send me any. I'm good. I'm great. I got oils. We're good. Uh, um, but it's been tough being sick because I, I, I have been in my house. I don't really get to throw my arms around my kids. We do this thing with elbows. We touch elbows like when we're sick. And so I can't be close to them. Why? Because I transfer sickness. Sickness in this world transfers when you get close. But the beauty of a God who comes close to us is he transfers to us his righteousness. He hands us. He does not take on our sickness when he comes close to us. He actually passes on life to us. And that is so different than anything the world is used to. How do I know that God loves me? I look into a feeding trough. And I see a God who says, I love you so much, I cannot stay away. I will come near. But it's not just in nearness that love is communicated. Love is communicated, and see, this is where we as an American society typically celebrate Christmas by asking this question. What do you want for Christmas, right? In my house, if, if kids open up a package of six socks, they don't like that gift. They don't. I remember opening packages at my house, and it was like toothbrushes, socks, underwear. They're like, I didn't want underwear, but you needed it. I didn't want socks, but you needed it. See, we live in a day where what we want tends to be way more important than what we actually need. But the beauty of God's love for us is that he meets our greatest need. And see, where God's foolishness confounds the wise in the feeding trough is that you and I will actually, because of our hard hearts and our sin, look in that feeding trough and go, I don't need that. I don't need that. But there are many of you in this room who could say when you look in that feeding trough, I'm so glad you were born. Because there's a difference between knowing that there is a Savior and then knowing the truth of why the Savior is born. You and I have a God who stepped into time laid himself into a feeding trough so that he could be laid down on a cross, laid in an empty tomb to take up his life again 
and to return as king. We look in this feeding trough, all the wisdom that we think we have comes down, shattered. Because if the feeding trough, if the baby in the manger is true, then it means there is a God who did not spare his own son. It means that if there is a God, how does he love? He loves the whole world. And if he gives, what does he give? He gives his son. He only goes big. You don't have to get creative with the most incredible story ever recorded. What you have to do is pray that hearts are soft to see the amazing moment that is recorded for us. Um, this morning, as we continue in, in worship and as we'll be singing, um, and we'll close our time together as we remember these things. I, I wrote this story down a week ago, but I believe it was one of these moments that God actually was going to teach me more about anything. <clears throat> and as I'm driving out of downtown Asheville over the 240, the truck that I'm driving decides to break down. I'm on the bridge, the French French Broad River right there headed towards Westgate and the truck dies I can feel it and I'm like this is not a good place to die this is not a good place for the truck to die I've seen the accidents I know the traffic and so I'm I'm just I'm doing that thing in the car where you're trying to scoot it along it's not actually doing anything um, but it makes me feel better so I get into the right lane on the bridge headed out towards Patton Avenue so that I can try and make it into the turning lane at the Westgate Plaza right there and I get into the turning lane, and I'm in the, the right-hand lane into the turning lane into the Westgate Plaza, and my truck dies right here. So if you know anything about coming out of downtown Asheville onto the Westgate Plaza lane, people drive like they are completely insane. They are flying on that section of road. They hit that, they hit that corner so fast and they want to turn into the Westgate Plaza, they don't even think. They're just coming really fast, coming in. And I recognize that this is not a good thing. I can see that things are not going to go well. And so the car stops. I put the blinkers on. I open the door. I get out, and I'm trying to wave some people around, trying to let them know there's a car stopped here, and traffic is starting to come up real fast up onto the truck. And so I'm like, well, i got to start pushing. I start to push the truck, and as I'm pushing the truck, I mean... We're talking ugly push, like ugly face. Like I'm, a, I'm almost like laying down on the ground. I'm trying to push so hard, like it's holding me up. And as I'm pushing, there's a guy that flies up right next to me. And I'm like, oh, phew, help is here. He, owes, he rolls down his window. And these are the words he says to me. I kid you not verbatim. You know someone's going to die, right? That is a terrible place to park your car. You're going to cause an accident. Things, you know what's going to happen, right? You know that, right? Someone's going to die, right? That is a dangerous spot to park your car. Do you know what you're doing? You know that, right? He drives off. Helpful fella. I'm pressing. I'm pushing. I'm straining. 
Thankfully, another guy comes, sees my car, sees me pushing. He parks his car, runs over, and we're able to push the truck into the parking lot, make it around the curve down towards the Jason's Deli. Some teenagers, they were like, we're going to help, but we're already going downhill. They jump in the back of the truck, and they just ride to... <clears throat> they were helpful, too. Um... But what I learned in that moment really was why looking into a feeding trough matters. Because the, had the conversation happened this way, had helpful fella pulled up next to me in his car, jumped out of the car, came down next to me and started pushing with me, he's like, dude, this is a really dangerous spot. I'm so glad I was able to come here and help you. I'm so glad I was able to get out of my car and help you because I know how dangerous of a spot this really is. There could have been an accident, but I'm glad I got out of my car and I could come and help you and tell you how dangerous the spot was and we could have high-fived and it would have been a great story. But instead, he screamed some words and drove off. The beauty of the incarnation, and that is, for those of you that may or may not have grown up in the church, the incarnation is God putting on flesh, dwelling among us, letting us see him. What this communicates about the love of God is that he is not afraid to come near and that he is meeting our greatest need with his nearness. Not telling us what our greatest need is, unwilling to do anything about it. The feeding trough is the place that you and I have our earthly and human wisdom struck down. And it's why so many will reject the feeding trough. But for the simple and for the humble, it is where we see God stepping into time, not staying away from the mess, but coming close so that he might meet our greatest need. And that is right relationship with God. It can't be earned. It can't be bought. It can't be worked for. It can't be purchased. It can't be behavior, good behavior. It is a gift. And to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. A feeding trough. You don't have to get more creative with the greatest story ever told. You have to ask the Lord, is my heart soft enough to hear how amazing those details really are? And if the baby story is true, it changes everything. And so this morning as we sing, and as we close our time together, and as we light these candles, and as we do the, the traditional things, may it never become rote or routine. May the feeding trough help us see that a God who came near did not just come near for nearness sake, but to meet our greatest need. And that is a savior who was given and that by faith, those who believe and accept him, they become children of God. Father, we love you. And we just ask that in these moments, that as we sing songs that are familiar, as we anticipate our favorite parts about Christmas and Christmas Eve, 
God, that we would not anticipate any of these things more than the Savior's love for us. Help us not to be so blind and so prideful and so arrogant to miss the wonder found in a feeding trough. Thank you for confounding and confusing the wise and giving light and eyes to the simple. 